Hey, my name's Fernie, and I want to welcome you to this week's episode of the Mid-City Church Sermon Cast. This week, we're in week two of Advent, and normally week two of Advent, we talk about preparing the way for, for God and preparing the way for the kingdom of God to come about. And I, I don't know about you, but I, I think a lot of times we are afraid to help bring about the kingdom of God because we think we're not equipped enough or smart enough or whatever enough. And so this week's challenge, my hope, is that you will feel prepared and ready and called to go and help bring about the kingdom of God. So, you ready? Let's go. October, my wife Susie and I traveled to Illinois to visit her parents and attend her best friend's wedding. Now, I always love going to visit them in the fall because there's there's actual seasons up there and up in the Midwest. You see, in October, the trees are green and orange and yellow and red and so many other colors. And there's this like cool crispness in the air, uh, which just makes it feel like Halloween and Thanksgiving and Christmas are actually just around the corner. And I've got to tell you, as of the recording, uh, as of today's recording, uh, it's hot and muggy and humid, and it's just it doesn't feel like winter or Christmas outside. So I love going to the Midwest because it's just the 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 exact opposite. Well, one day while we were there, we woke up and we were trying to make plans on what we wanted to do, but there was one problem. My in-laws live in the small village of Muhammad, Illinois, which has a population of about ten thousand people. And it's located about 20 minutes outside of Champaign, Illinois, which is a city with a population of about 89,000 people. This means that if we wanted to do anything, we had to drive into the city. Now, don't get me wrong. They do have some restaurants, some shops in the village of Muhammad. But the big stores, the nicer restaurants, the better shopping is located 20 minutes away in the big city. Now, I have never lived in a small town. and Maybe you have. But I actually wouldn't mind living in a place like they do. Their community is nice and quiet, there's no traffic, the schools are great, the crime is low, and if uh, you know me, you know how important this is, they have a good Chinese restaurant in town. In other words, they have the basics uh, in that town. But for everything else, you have to go to the big city, because that's where all the big, important, fancy stuff is. You need to go to the emergency room, you have to drive to Champagne. You want to go to a fancy restaurant, you have to go to Champagne. You want to go to a museum, go to Champagne. You need to go to Walmart, you go to Champagne. Basically, if you need anything other than the basics, you have to drive into the city. Now, believe it or not, this was true in biblical times as well. Listen to how William Herzog II, who is a professor of the New Testament at Andover Newton Theological Seminary uh, School, says it. He says, in the ancient world, power was concentrated in central cities where the temples and imperial buildings witnessed to the power of the current regime. In the center were located the bureaucracies that collected tribute and other direct and indirect taxes. As a general rule, this is the most important part, as a general rule, if people wanted to get something or get something done, they would travel to a center city. In other words, just as it is for my in-laws in Muhammad, Illinois, if you needed to obtain anything or do anything other than the very basics, you had to go into the city. Which makes today's scripture reading for this second week of Advent that much more interesting. I want you to listen to what it says. It comes from Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. 
In those days, John the Baptist appeared in the desert of Judea, announcing, change your hearts and lives. Here comes the kingdom of heaven. He was, one, he was the one of, the, of whom Isaiah the prophet spoke when he said, the voice of one shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make his path straight. John wore clothes made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist. He ate locusts and wild honey. People from Jerusalem throughout Judea and all around the Jordan River came to him, and they confessed their sins. He baptized them in the Jordan River. Many Pharisees and Sadducees came to be baptized by John. He said to them, You children of snakes, who warned you to escape from the angry judgment that is coming soon? Produce fruit that shows you have changed your hearts and lives. And don't even think about saying to yourselves, Abraham is our father. I tell you that God is able to raise up Abraham's children from these stones. The axe is already at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that doesn't produce good fruit will be chopped down and tossed into the fire. I baptize you with water, those of you who have changed your hearts and lives. The one who is coming after me, though, is stronger than I am. I am not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. The shovel he uses to sift the wheat from the husk is in his hands. He will clean out his threshing area and bring the wheat into his barn. But he will burn the husks with a fire that, that can't be put out. Okay, there's a lot happening here, so let's dive into it. Like I mentioned earlier, the common practice was to go from the small rural towns into the big city. And in this case, it would have been Jerusalem. Jerusalem was a big city that you would go to if you wanted to do anything or get anything done. But if you listen closely, the exact opposite happens in this text. We're told that the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the, the, the elite uh, religious leaders of the time, uh, they left behind the big city of Jerusalem to go out to the wilderness by the Jordan River to find this guy named John whose clothes are made out of camel's hair, wears a leather belt around his waist, and eats locusts and wild honey. Now, let me stop here for a second. For the longest time, I thought this description of John was meant to tell us that he was a weird dude. But as I've done more and more research, I have learned that in reality, this description of him is meant to help us understand that he was not only a commoner, he was probably ranked among the poorest of the poor. See, for the poor, locusts were an easy source of protein, which meant they could keep themselves feeling full even when they had no money to feed themselves. And if they got lucky, they would find a beehive and they would put themselves at risk for the sake of having some free wild honey to sweeten their food. On top of that, camel's hair was so common that it became the material of choice for the poor, especially those who lived in the desert wilderness where we find ourselves in this story. Now, let me ask you, can you hear how upside down this story is? I mean, instead of John going into the big city to baptize people and proclaim that God's kingdom is at hand, it's the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the, the big people, the, the important people who live behind the big city and come into the wilderness to find John. You know, this would be the equivalent of choosing to go to uh, dinner in Bunky, Louisiana for a fi uh, fancy dinner instead of going to Commander's Palace in New Orleans. Now, no offense to anyone who lives in Bunky or is from Bunky, but for most of us, if we were given the option to have dinner in Bunky or in uh, uh, Commander's Palace, all of us would pick Commander's Palace, right? See, the Pharisees and the Sadducees going out into the wilderness, going out into the middle of nowhere to find John makes absolutely no sense. There is no reason for them to go out there uh, to feel threatened by him or worry about him. After all, he's just some poor guy living in a small, insignificant part of the world. And yet they go. But why? 
Most scholars agree that the reason the Pharisees and Sadducees, the religious leaders, were willing to leave the comforts of their big city was because John had become a threat to them. You see, the norm, the, the custom, was that they were the religious leaders from the big, important city, and everyone was supposed to travel from wherever they were to the big city, to the, the religious leaders. But suddenly, this guy John pops up, and, and, and he starts gaining more and more attention as he baptized more and more people. And we know this for t uh, two reasons. First, that was just the custom of the time, right? You had to travel to the temple if you wanted to participate in any redemptive activities, such as baptism and sacrifices. But even the text shows us that the religious leaders were irritated. Did you catch what John did as soon as the Pharisees and Sadducees showed up? It says that he quickly started attacking them by calling them a brood of vipers and called them out on a whole bunch of stuff. See, some scholars believe that the reason he did this, the reason he got so feisty, so quick, so defensive, so quick, was because he knew that they were coming to challenge him. So before they even got a word in, John spoke up. He defended himself and what he was doing. He said his piece first. Now, unfortunately, the text doesn't tell us how the Pharisees and the Sadducees responded, but I like to imagine that they repented and were baptized by John and they lived happily ever after. Now, that's probably not what happened, but it's Advent and Christmas is around the corner and it's the season to believe in miracles, right? Okay, so why does all of this matter? See, the reason John became a threat to the establishment was not because he was part of the big, important institution or learned from the most prestigious teachers. It wasn't even because he was rich, because we've established that he wasn't. The reason he became a threat to the religious leaders was because he started proclaiming a message that seemed to go contrary to the norm. If you missed it, let me read it one more time. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. John gave this same message to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, but with different words. He said, Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit worthy of your repentance. See, whether he said it to those being baptized or to the religious leaders of the time, the message was clear. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, will soon be established here on earth. And because of that, all people should live their lives in such a way that helps others embrace and experience the kingdom of God. Friends, this is the good news of the Bible. This is the good news that John proclaimed. This is even the mission of our church, to live our lives in such a way that, that the world can embrace and experience the kingdom of God here and now. Here's the problem, though. Many of us shy away from proclaiming this good news. For some of us, we don't proclaim it because it feels like there are uh, other more religious, more versed, more educated religious leaders uh, who are better equipped to share this good news. For others, we don't proclaim this good news because we see ourselves as not important enough to proclaim and advocate for this good news. Even others uh, we, of us, we resist sharing this good news because we're afraid of the consequences that can come from it. But here's the deal. If some poor guy named John, who wore camel's hair for clothing and lived off, lived off of locusts and wild honey, can proclaim this good news loud enough to get the attention of even the big city folks who were too important to care, then you and I also have the ability to go and proclaim the good news that the kingdom of God has come near. Church, there is so much pain and sorrow in this world. There's so much anger and angst in this world. There's so much that doesn't reflect the kingdom of God. And just like John, regardless of how small we may see ourselves or may actually be, we have to trust that this good news is big enough 
and good enough for us, even us, to proclaim at the top of our lungs for the world to hear. The kingdom of God has come near. And because of that, we want all people to experience a glimpse of heaven here and now. I pray that we may be bold enough, like John, to be the ones who proclaim this message in a world that needs it oh so much. May it be so. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Mid-City Church Sermoncast. If you'd like to dive deeper, visit midcity.church slash sermoncast to find a home sheet that goes along with this message. On the home sheet, you'll find scriptures, questions to wrestle with, and a challenge that goes along with this sermoncast. I want to invite you to support our ministry here at Mid-City Church by giving today. To give, text the word GIVE, G-I-V-E, to the phone number 225-307-0662. Thanks and see you next week.